This message was recorded during a Cornerstone U class given at Cornerstone Church of Knoxville. But, uh, but I do know you guys are here because you want help. And I, I know that you guys are here because you, you want to grow, you want to serve the Lord, you want to serve your kids. And um, our, my hope is this, this will serve you. So as one author said, as Jeff even said, Solomon could have said, of the making of resources for Christian parenting, there seems to be no end. And um, what I'm going to share with you guys tonight um, are things that I have learned, things that I have read, uh, things, wisdom that I have gained over the years. Um, so really, I'm not going to share anything new with you. Um, there's no brand new information. that Now, it may be new in terms of you not thought about this much. Maybe you're just now about to enter into the parenting season. Uh, but for some of you, you've, you've been to parenting seminars. You've, you've, you've heard truths before. And what I have found the best seminars, the best teaching on parenting, it is not teaching new material, but is rehearsing material time and time again. That is the same, that is biblical, that is wise, that is God-centered. And, and I agree with the Apostle Paul when he wrote in Philippians 3, he said, to write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. And he's not talking about parenting, so it's not a parenting verse. But, but I do think to talk about the same things is no trouble for me, and it's safe for you. And so I hope that's what you hear. I hope that's what you receive. Ernest Shackleton, he ran this ad. You may have heard it before in a newspaper, trying to recruit men for his endurance expedition. I thought it was fitting for all of us who are trying to endure in the expedition that is parenting. Parents wanted for hazardous journey. Low wages, make that no wages, uh, bitter cold, long hours of complete darkness, safe return, doubtful, honor and recognition in the event of success. And uh, I share that jokingly, but there is a sense to where when we embrace, when we start on this journey that is parenting, it can seem perilous, right? It can seem like what what am I doing? What have I gotten myself into? And at times, it can feel impossible. And, and I hope what you leave here tonight feeling is that what seems impossible to you is possible with God, that God has given us wisdom and instruction and things to walk in to make parenting not feel impossible, but actually, I think we can parent with great joy. I think we can parent with great confidence and what God has given us. So there's so much going on early in our kids' lives. From the moment you bring your new baby home in that carrier to the time they turn six, this time, as Ted Tripp says, is marked by development. They go from helpless little babies to by the time that they're ready for school, they're climbing trees, they're running, talking, all manner of things. There is social development. It's incredible from the time they are babies to interacting with big people in this world. There is intellectual development. Kids learn most in the first five years of their life. They're just sponges. They're learning about this world. They're learning about how it works. They're also developing spiritually. So they're learning about who God is, and they're learning about this world. And they're going to learn either to love God, or they're going to learn to love idols. That's what's happening right now. And, and for us as parents, this can be overwhelming, can it? <laughs> it can just be overwhelming. This sense of responsibility that we as parents are over 
these beginning years of our kids' lives. So where do we start? Well, I think the overarching training objective is to help our children be people who are under authority. I think there's one thing. They want, we need to help them in this time frame from zero to five. In these early years, we need to help them learn that they are people under authority. Ephesians 6 says this, children, it's a great memory verse for the early years of your kids. First one, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. So we want to train our children. We want to help them to obey us in the Lord, to honor and obey both mom and dad. So in these early years, their life is going to focus on a lot of things. What does life look like? How does this world function? The biggest question I would say, though, is who's in charge? (laughs) Who is in charge? Our kids early on in life should not be given many options because they do not know what is best for them. They do not enter this world knowing what they need and why they need it. So we need to teach them. And what they need to learn is that there is a God. There is a good God in heaven who is in charge of this world, and he's in charge of our home. And we in our home follow what God has to say. We follow what God has to say. Why? Because God is good. And we obey him because he loves us. So for kids at this age, they need to learn that through obeying their mom and dad, they need to learn what obedience is. They need to learn and experience the pain of disobedience and discipline, what it, and also what it looks like to be forgiven. So we want to have faith in God and in his means for this type of training. Yet, as Jeff shared, we do live in a day and age where outside authority, outside authority in our kids' lives is seen as a negative. Even in the parent and child relationship, authority is given instead to our kids' feelings, what they want, what they need. And there's a fundamental flaw and difference between what we think is in our children's hearts and what the world would say. Mark 7 says this. This is what Jesus has to say. He said, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within, and they are what defile a person. So these are the things that are in our children's hearts. These are the things that they are born with this nature that defile them. And what we have to help them see is we can't fix this for them, but we know the God who can. And what we want to show them is that these things in their hearts that they are wanting to follow is wrong. And it's not just wrong because mom and dad say it's wrong. It's wrong because God says it's wrong. And that is their greatest problem, is that they have sinned against the Lord, and we want to offer them the gospel. And this is where we want to teach them to trust authority. We want to teach them to follow and obey the authority of God, the authority of mom and dad. And we want to do that in the context of the gospel. So I know when you come to settings like this, parents can want to-do lists. You can want, all right, just tell me what to do. Tell me what I need to do. Give me, give me the five-year, you know, lay out the path. Here's the goal. But that's just not how the Bible works. That's not how parenting works. It's just not how it is. And, and I think in God's wisdom, what he does is he, does, he gives us these principles. He gives us his wisdom. 
And then he says, okay, you're going to walk in this by faith. And you're going to trust me with this. This is what Kevin DeYoung says. He says, when you think about it, what does the Bible actually say about parenting? God doesn't provide many specific instructions about the parent-child relationship, except that parents should teach their children about God, discipline them, be thankful for them, and not exasperate them. Filling in the details depends on the family, the culture, the spirit's wisdom, and a whole lot of trial and error. And this is true. This is true. You just, you learn as you go. And the great thing is, is that our kids, by God's kindness, you know, they can just, they just bear a lot. They're resilient. They respond to our failure so kind. They're just durable in a lot of ways. And you just see that as God's kindness. So, so here's the incredible thing we get to be to our kids. Ephesians 5.1. Here's what we get to do. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself for us. That's what we get to do. We get to imitate God to our kids. So I'm not going to read this whole quote by John Piper, but the most fundamental task of a mother and a father is to show God to the children. Is that your fundamental task? To show God to their children. Children know their parents before they know God. This is a huge responsibility and should cause every parent to be desperate for God-like transformation. And then we'll jump to the bottom. The chief task of parenting is to know God for who he is in his many attributes, especially as he has revealed himself in the person of Jesus and his cross, and then to live in such a way with our children that we help them see and know this multifaceted God. And of course, that will involve directing them always to the infallible portrait of God in the Bible. And so we want, I just, I hope you leave here thinking, I don't want to be a perfect parent. I, I don't want to do everything right. But we do want to leave here wanting to show God to our children. And God has given us a way to do that. So first, let's start. Love your children. Your children have been created by God. And in his image, God has created your children for himself. They are called to use their entire lives to love and serve him. Psalm 127.3 says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb, a reward. So they're a heritage. They're an inheritance, a gift. They are an evidence that God is blessing you. The psalmist says, Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. So, so children are a good thing. We are to rejoice over our kids. And I would say at times it, it can be a challenge to rejoice over our kids if we're honest with ourselves. Part of the challenge with parenting is just because at times it just shows how selfish we are. It's just, it's costly and it's costly to us. But, but one of the best things we can do for our kids is to enjoy them, is to love them, is to show them that they matter to us, that they are ours, that we love them. So five simple ways to love your children. Tell them often you love them. Look them in the eyes. Slow down. Look them in the eyes and say, do you know your dad loves you? And then tell them, look them, mean it. Stop. Find time to do that. Don't assume that they know that. Don't assume that they're thinking that you love them. Tell them that often. Carve out time to be with them and be completely there. Put the phone away. Put the distractions away. Get in their level. Enjoy what they enjoy. Don't be distracted. Get the Legos, the Barbies, act out stories, play football, whatever it is. Find out what they enjoy and enjoy it with them. 
Eat dinner regularly as a family, as much as you can. Be ruthless in doing this. Teach them that around, that as a family, we love being together. It matters when we sit together. Things are happening. We're relating to one another. We're laughing. We're telling stories. We're going through the day. We care about one another. The home is not just some pad that we drop into, a little base of operations. We sleep, we eat, and then we go out again. The home is a place where we enjoy God and one another. It matters. So that takes intentionality. It takes planning. You have, to be, you have to find the day. So we do this as a family. We have fought for this. What is this day this week? And we've learned, this is not something original to us. We've, we've learned this from others, but what is family fun night? That's what we call it. It's a fun night. So what's family fun night? What is it? And so this past week, it was, it was shooting BB guns, hopefully not hitting the neighbor's house. And we played a ping pong game where we threw it in cups of water. And they don't, yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah. And, and, <laughs> and we had competitions. Um, <laughs> um, but, but it's like, what are those nights? What are those nights where you're together and it's just fun? What home is fun. Home is where memories are made. Not the world. Not, not having to leave. Not having to go somewhere else. But as a family, we love one another and we enjoy one another. You got to create that. You have to make time for that. You have to fight to make time for that. So you have to slow down. We're always in a hurry. Hurry up. Put on your shoes. We got to go. Come on. Get out of the bath. Brush your teeth. Got to get in bed. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah, slow down. We got to make the most of the time. The days are evil. I mean, it's just, you just look. I mean, it's just amazing as your kids get older. You just remember, I still remember bringing Asher home and now he's 11. And he's like, you know, he's over 100 pounds. He's just like a big kid. And I'm like, who are you? And it was just yesterday. I just remember just him being born. And, and I just, I want to I wanna look back. And I just want to say, Lord, I made time. I didn't let the busyness of my life take away from just spending time and enjoying it, enjoying it, saying, nope, sorry, nothing's happening tonight, and tonight is going to be about us as a family, and that is a good thing. That is a needed thing. That is something we have to fight for, and then we take them with us, so take them with you to do stuff. Let them learn more about you, what you enjoy. Build them into your interests. Take them on errands. Teach them to cherish special time with mom or dad. So it becomes a regular practice in your home. So build in what are those rhythms and patterns for your family. You you have to decide what is this going to look like. And if it's a priority, then it'll get on the calendar. So it's not just about being present, but it's about being present and enjoying it. Our kids know the difference. They feel it. So sadly, this morning, or this, this today after church, I was riding home with Asher, and we're sitting together, and last night, we were watching the UT, UT game together, and he was using, and he started talking in this deep voice, hey, dad, and I'm like, what are you doing? Like, what? And, and it was just, like, it was bothering me. He was annoying me, and, and I was just like, hey, you need to stop that. Like, just, that was just harsh. It's a wonderful moment. We're, he loves football now. I'm like, Yes. He loves Tennessee. He knows, you know, but in that moment, I'm like being annoyed with this 11-year-old son of mine. So we're driving home today after church, and I just look at him and say, Asher, I'm so sorry about last night. Your dad was annoyed with you. I was selfish. I was unkind. So I was with him, 
but I was not enjoying it, and he could feel it. And so what I want him to see, though, is that, and I told him this. I said, hey, you know how I tell you to enjoy your younger brother, that it's hard for you. Dad does the same thing. I'm tempted in the same way, and this is why we need Jesus, and this is why I need a Savior. And, I'm so, and he forgave me. But it's just a moment where it's just like he could feel it. And so I want to be quick to repent and, and tell my kids my need for a Savior, but we have to enjoy them. We, we want to fight for this. Um, I was talking to a gentleman one time, and he said that his, his kids would call them vacation dad. Oh, we got vacation dad coming up. We got vacation dad. That means out of the 52 weeks of the year, oh, this is the one week where we get dad. We get him. All right, looking forward to it. And it just broke my heart. Just broke my heart. Just broke my heart. I was just like, oh. So then this week becomes, all right, I got to fill in all the gaps. This week becomes memories and going and doing, and I'm just going to be there. But it's just like, no, it doesn't matter. Your kids aren't looking just for a week with you. They want you each and every day. We want to we try to create these golden moments out of these specific times out of the year, which is great. I'm not saying that's bad. But as T- Ted Tripp said, quality time happens in quantity time. So the quality time that we want with our kids happens in quantity time. We can't create it. It will happen. It'll be golden moments happen in those moments that are unplanned. Some of our funnest, most memorable times are just not are, are times when we're just sitting around talking, when we're just going to do something together. It wasn't planned. Wasn't on vacation. It was just us being together and enjoying the moment. So we want to enjoy our kids. Secondly, we want to teach our children to... Teach your children authority. If we as parents are to imitate the fatherhood of God, meaning he is the model, he's the model, he's the one that we're going to model as a father and mother, then a good place to turn and to learn about from these relationships is in the Garden of Eden. Genesis 2 says this, The Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat it, you will surely die. So note three Three features. So if we're going to imitate God as Father, this is how God fathered and led Adam. Three features God established in the garden. First, there was one, one no in a world of yes. In the Eden, there's world of yes, there's one tree, one no. Second, the yes came first. <laughs> Third, the no was real. Joe Rigney says this, all three of these features are crucial. God did not create a world of no filled with prohibitions and restraints. He made a world of yes and gave it his enthusiastic endorsement. God provided Adam with a garden of delights filled with beautiful trees, tasty fruit. And his first rule was eat from every tree except one. So there's this one no in this world of yes. So this is our homes. Yes, I want to say yes, authority is important, right? Rules are important. But as I look at the fatherhood of God, as I think about the perfect world which he created, he had a world of yes with one no. My home can be a world of no with an occasional yes. And, and, And it can be because I want convenience. I, I, I want ease. I don't want loud. I don't want to go outside and throw football again or play tag or play the bear game. You know, it's just like, we're just, you know, it's just like, 
is selfish. The heart of God, if we want to imitate God, we want to have, we want the yeses to come first. We want there to be no's and we want to mean our no's. And so, so your, your child has entered a world that he knows nothing about. He, they know nothing. He or she knows nothing about this world, except he will grow up thinking that, that he or she is the center of the world, <laughs> like all of us. And as parents, we have the great privilege and responsibility to show our children that, no, 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 you're not the center of this world, but God is. He's the center of this world, and, and it's governed by him. We follow him. We obey him. And, and this includes the authority structures that our child will eventually encounter, whether it's work, a student with his teacher, driver with a police officer, they're going to be under authority. So we want our children to learn from a young age that they are under authority. So letter A there, the authority of position. God has placed you in authority over your child. You are in charge. Ephesians 6, children obey your parents in the Lord. Proverbs 6.20, my son, keep your father's commandments and forsake not your mother's teaching. So this authority is based on God's command. It's not, it's not based on your intellect. It's not based on talents, gifting. It's not, it's, it's not based on any of those things. God has given you command. He has given you authority to raise your children. And so this authority is right before God. So your child is commanded by God to honor and obey you. So we don't want to, most parents do not grasp for this authority, but they can slink away from it. Say so it's easy. I think it, take, it actually costs and requires more of us to toe the line, to keep this authority, to follow it. I think it, it but there are temptations for us to abuse this authority. So, so we have to remember the authority we are given is given by God and we are held accountable by God. So any type of leadership or authority that God has given, we will be held accountable before him. So we should fear the Lord and trust the Lord in this. But God has placed your child in your home so you can teach him what biblical authority looks like. So the authority of blessing. So the authority of position is authority assigned to us by God. However, authority of blessing flows to the father or mother who serves and sacrifices for their children. As one author has helpfully observed, our example in this is of Christ. Authority flows to those who take responsibility through sacrificial service just as Jesus did. Biblical authority knows how to bleed for others. The foundation of all Christ's authority in the church is the blood that he shed. He took responsibility through sacrificial service and therefore all authority flowed to him. So paramount to exercising your authority in your home is an example of godliness. We want to be amazed by God. We want to love God. We want to enjoy God. We want to know God. And so as, as, as we are trusting God and his authority and what he has said, that trickles down and affects how you lead your children and teach them authority. So you can't just think, all right, I'm in charge. I do what I want. No. We follow and obey the Lord. And so I am one under authority. And I'm going to lead my kids joyfully, sacrificially. I'm going, to, I'm, going to, I'm going to trust. I'm not going to shirk back. I'm not, going to, I'm not going to be fearful in my parenting, but I'm going to toe the line and I'm going to fear the Lord in every decision that I make. I want to compel my kids. I don't want to force my kids. I want to win my kids' hearts. I want to persuade them that following God is just better. I don't want to bury them with rules. I don't want to bury them under the weight of authority. I want to show them actually authority is good. 
And, 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 and so at this age, we're not having those conversations with a two-year-old, but you are laying a foundation of this is what, you don't need to worry about the why of this. You need to know how this looks. You're not in charge. I am, and that is a good thing. So you're going to do what I say, and we're going to do this probably a million times over and over. <laughs> and by God's grace, I'm going to stay patient like this, and we're going to just rehearse it over and over with a smile on my face. Yeah, my, my Lauren tells me, lift your eyebrows. Lift your eyebrows. <laughs> and it's like, all right. Lift. Now the kids say, lift your eyebrows, Dad. Lift your eyebrows. <laughs> you're like preaching truth to them, and they're like, Lauren, and Lauren's like, your eyebrows Um, we ask our kids why do we obey and their answer is because God loves us there's blessing when it comes to authority there's blessing when we follow it so as children obey their parents there is this circle of blessing there's this blessing this promise that God has given us and and it's not and it's outside just spiritual things so I mean when you think about, if you invite other kids over to your house, who do you normally think about inviting? I mean, there's just practical blessing here. Do you think about the kids who just don't care about authority and run crazy and just don't listen? Or do you, or, or do you want the kids who are respectful? and are? You know, I mean, there's just a, there's a reality here that we want our kids to be a blessing to others. We want our kids to be a blessing when they come to church when they're in children's ministry, when they're being watched by a babysitter, when they're going to a friend's house, when they're going and practicing, there is this blessing that comes. And, and right now at this age of zero to five, we are laying the foundation of them being able to see that authority is good. I do what I'm told. And when I do that, it goes well for me. It goes well with me before God, but it also goes well from the sense of like, I might get invited to someone's house. I'm just saying, like, I think, that, I think that's true. So, I mean, when we have babysitters, my regular conversation with the kids are, hey, I, your job is to make it easy. That's your job for this baby. You're going to make it easy for them. And I'm going to ask. When, when we come home, we're going to ask how you did. These are the expectations. And, and we tell the babysitter, we would really like to know how they did. You're not helping our kids by acting like they did better than they actually did. We need you to be honest. And, and we want you to share, and we want to hold them, right? We want to hold them to the line. This is what we said. You are, you do, it's pretty easy, right? You do what you're told. You do what you're told. The babysitter has an instruction that is reasonable, that is fine, then you do what you're told, okay? And it's the same with children's ministry on Sunday mornings. Um, some of the uh, children's ministry workers have communicated that they've seen just a lack of obedience in the children they're watching. This is a great opportunity for us as parents to get a a window into how are we doing. It's a good window to see how are our kids doing when we leave them there. Are they listening? Are they obeying? And and this is a moment, if you get a bad report, if something happens, the temptation will be to turn inward. I've ruined it. I'm a horrible parent. My kid, but it's not. It is a great opportunity to say thank you. I got work to do, and I'm going to love my child, and we're going to talk about it. And you begin to set expectations, and you begin to communicate what those are, and then you hold them to it. So there was a child today that did not have a good time, did not listen and obey in children's ministry, and they were held to that standard. So there was a talk with me when, when they got home, and it's because we, I love them, and I want to help them, and I want them to learn. 
when you are in that classroom, mommy and daddy have said, you listen and obey to the teacher. You did not do that today. And so it's not going to go well for you. If you do that in life, it's not going to go well for you. And so that, that child was disciplined. That child was lovingly disciplined with a spanking. And he, oh, they, sorry. They, I try so hard. Oh, I, um, I try, yep. but it's a good moment. And, but honestly, it is a death to self. It's after Sunday, I just want to go home. I want to eat some lunch. I want to just, you know, have a breath. But no, I got, God has called me to love him. I want to love him. Man, I want to, authority and responsibility, it bleeds. I love that sacrifice. I want to do it. I want to do it. I don't want to serve me. I want to serve them. So we want to teach our children obedience. Number three, Ted Tripp defines obedience this way. Obey. Submission to God's authority that causes a child to do what he is told by his parents immediately, without excuse, without complaint, and without question. This is an easy way to say it. You obey right away, all the way, and with a cheerful, happy heart. And so we need to, so one quick thing here. You need to define what you mean to your children. You need to give them clear definition. This is what I am requiring of you. So Lauren and I found out early on, that our kids at times did not understand. We thought, hey, you're, you're, you know, Asher, poor guy, he got the brunt. But it's just like one or two years old, and at times he just didn't understand. And, and we had to, there's teaching moments, and there's discipline moments. I want to make sure that when I'm calling my child to obedience that they understand what I'm saying. And I want to help them over time to say, hey, it may be this is something new, they're learning, so I'm going to give a little time. Hey, this is a reminder. Remember, this is what I called you to. This is, this is the rule. And, as, and then there will come a time when it's like, hey, you know the rule. You're defying. You're disobeying. You will get it. You're going to get disciplined. And so we want to make sure that we are rooting our obedience, their obedience, and God's authority. And our kids, kids are smart. Kids are smart. And they learn your parenting style. They know that if you delay, if you delay, if you call them to something and you don't immediately hold them to it, they will learn, okay, I've got like one or two times and then mom is going to discipline me. Or maybe it's once dad's veins are popping out of his neck. Okay, now he's serious. Okay, I better obey now. Or maybe it's the full name. You know, you use your kid's full name. Oh, now I need to obey after calling them two or three times and you didn't do anything. Maybe threats come. Maybe we count to three and then 12 and then 15, you know, and then the kid's like, all right, mom's at 10, so 15, 16, all right, better go. They learn, they see that. We have to be what right away, all the way, and with a cheerful and happy heart. And what we're doing, guys, is we're giving our kids tracks. So Ted Tripp uses this illustration. We're giving them tracks, and they're a train. And what they need are tracks to go on. And what we're giving them is authority. We're giving them is obedience. We're calling them to it, and we're keeping them there. And as we hold that and keep them there, the, the train will move on those tracks well. But the moment we take those tracks away, it does not move. So we have to call them. Here's the authority. Here's the expectation. And then here is your calling to obey that. And it's very simple. We're going to hold them to that. And so we have to do this in a way which is gracious. So fathers, Ephesians 6, 4, don't provoke your children to anger. So fathers, our, the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. So we have to do this thing. Fathers in particular, 
we have to be patient. We have to bear with our children. We don't want to provoke them to anger. And then we have to train. We have to teach our kids how to do this. I love Psalm 103. Here's, here's how God cares for us. He says, as a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. And so, man, I'm losing time. So we want to remember, we want to, you want to remember your kid's frame. You want to remember, not dealing with a 20-year-old. I got a two-year-old. I got a three-year-old. But you also need to remember, we, we, we can invest a lot. We can, so Mike in his session, is talking a lot behind, we begin to talk about the why behind our parenting. Why are we calling you to this? From zero to five, they don't need to know why. They just need to know what to do. This is what you're doing. We'll get to the why, but this is the what. So you just don't worry about that. Mommy and daddy, you need, what you need to know is mommy and daddy love you. We're following God, and this is what you're called to. Obey us. That's what we're doing. That's the plan. And we, we can... It can be temptation to begin to think our kids are more mature than they actually are. We can overestimate their maturity. We can think that, oh, well, you know, they're communicating now. They're talking. They're expressing their feelings. They're expressing desires. And, and that's great. But they're still at a place where they need to just follow and listen and obey mom and dad. And, and what they need to do is, is to follow and listen and obey our authority. And so... What we want to do with disobedience, I'm going to jump ahead. Um, so when our kids disobey, what we, we need to do is, I would encourage us from God's word, is to use the rod of discipline, to spank, to use this as a means to teach them, to follow and trust the Lord's, uh, Lord's word in this. It is the primary because God has commanded it. Proverbs twenty two fifteen: Folly is bound up in the child of a heart, in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives far from him. Proverbs twenty three: Do not withhold discipline from a child. If you strike him with a rod, he will not die. If you stri strike him with the rod, you will save his soul from Sheol. Proverbs thirteen twenty four: Whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. Martin Luther says this about the neglect of sparing the rod. A father can perform no act that is more unfatherly than sparing the rod and allowing a little child to have its own wanton way. The world tells us love draws out the natural goodness in us. The Bible tells us love drives out the folly. That is what the rod is doing. It is driving out the folly in our children's heart. Folly is driven out by the rod of discipline according to God's word. Ted Tripp says, in order to teach your children to be under authority, you must be prepared to discipline disobedience. Consistency is mandated if your children are to learn that God requires obedience. Discipline and instruction is a rescue mission to bring them back into this circle of blessing. You're saying, you've gone, you've left, come back. This discipline brings you back. This discipline is redemptive. It's controlled. It is loving. It is not from a place of anger or pure punishment. It is meant to say that you have gone astray and you need to learn. You need to see 
And God has said the primary way we can do this that communicates, that drives the folly out of our kid's heart is with the rod of discipline. So we want to be consistent in this. There has to be a consistency on our parts as parents. We want to be consistent. We don't want this to be confusing to our kids. It sends mixed messages. It's like, okay, what is it, mom and dad? I I do this one day and everything's fine. I do it again. And then I'm like in your room and there's discipline and it's we have to be consistent. We don't want to confuse our kids. This, this first rule of consistency will encompass most of our training time. And so we want to help our kids. We want to be clear. We want to have what are the rules that they're going to follow? What are the things in your home that you are going to hold your kids to? Disobedience coupled with failure to discipline sends mixed messages. We want to be clear. We want to be clear on this. We want to be firm. And what I mean by this, we can't be passive nor yielding to our children. They need to see from both parents or you individually, if you're a single parent, that you mean business. They have to see I, you have met your match. You've met your match. And it's, it's not in the sense of I'm here trying to be a dictator. I'm here as your father who loves you. And I'm going to go toe to toe. And I'm going to do this because I love you and because I want to drive the folly out of your heart. That means that you have to establish rules in your home. They have to be fixed. They have to be stable and movable. You have to communicate them to your kids. You have to be in agreement as a husband and a wife. You have to be able to follow and consistently do this. So we have to. Proverbs 13, 24 says that we have to be diligent. We have to be careful to do this. It means quite literally that we have to take great care. So this this requires much time, commitment, patience, faith. We want to be clear, so we have to have clear communication with our kids. Take them to a private room. We don't want to embarrass them. We don't want to shame them. We want to take them. We want to have their attention, and, and, and we want to remind them. We want to, we want to talk through, hey, here's what happened. We want to be clear on what happened. We want to let them know how many spankings they're going to get. Hey, this is what you were going to get. I, I never want my kids to feel like, okay, what's coming? That, that doesn't serve them. And it completely, they missed the goal of this moment. I want it to be, God is not a God of confusion. He's a God of clarity, of peace. I want them to see when dad, when he takes me back to his room, they might, they're not looking forward to it, but, but they understand what's going to happen. They know what's going to happen. They know what's coming. I'm going to walk them through exactly why they're having this, what, what's going to go on, and they know that I'm going to love on them. They know that there's going to be restoration. And that this conversation is God-centered. It addresses the heart. And, and we have to, guys, we have to control our anger in these moments. And we want to be, and we want to restore. We want to be restorative. We want to put them, man, I just, I, <laughs> you want to put your kids in your lap. You just want to hug them. You just want to tell them, it says, it grieves my heart. I, I don't want to do this. I, I love you, and I, but, I, but I do this because I love you so much. And, and I want, I think this is what is best for you. And I, I am, and we pray and we remind them of who God is. This doesn't need to be a 20 minute sermon, right? 20 seconds. So we can just get it clear, age appropriate. But we want to discern teaching moments, discipline moments. And, and what you'll begin to see is as you're faithful in these younger years and you're following this track as your kids get older, this, this, this is less and less. If you're faithful in the younger years, if you're establishing this early on, as your kids get to be five, six, up to that next stage, 
you begin to see fruit. You begin to see, wow, this is, they're doing better. They're listening. Like, it's just people like it. How do, how, how do your kid, like you go out and you're like, how are your kids so like this? And you just want to be like, well, they understand they're not in charge. They understand that they do what their mom and dad ask of them. And we've worked our tails off trying to help them to do this. And, and we trust the Lord for them. And, and there's clear expectations. And, and it's because we're not great parents. It's because we trust that this is what God has called us to. And it's shaped our life. And our kids, they, they really believe. And they really believe that we love God, that we love each other, that we love them. And that as a family, this is how we roll. We're not better than anyone. So I make clear with our kids, we're not better than anybody. We follow God. That's what we do. That's what we're doing as Simmons. We're going to follow after the Lord and trust Him. We're going to mess up a lot. We're going to fail a lot. We're going to sin a lot. We're going to need Jesus a lot. But we're going to follow after Him. Because we love each other. Because God has done this. And we want to trust Him for that. So so there, there really isn't a magic formula to this. What you're doing is you're saying, I want to have authority. I want to call them to obey. I want to walk these tracks. I want to be faithful to discipline. I want to be faithful to be clear, to be firm. I want to be faithful to restore and preach the gospel. I want to, be, I want to teach, train, practice. One thing that we do as a family, we practice. So I'll end with this. Your kids need practice. When you tell them to stand or sit, or they're at church or they're doing stuff, you expect them just to magically know exactly what to do. They don't know what to do. They don't, they don't know. They don't know how to go to church at times. They don't know what, I mean, so we will practice. And, and we will tell them, we'll get little M&Ms or we'll get Skittles, stuff that they like, and we will give them commands to follow. And then if they do it, they'll bring it. And then we give them a reward. We give them an m M&M. and We're saying, hey, this is good. It's, we're not teaching legalism. What we're trying to show them is it's good when we obey. It goes well with us. And so we practice, just like anything. We want to be prepared so that when we go to the grocery store, we've practiced at home. Okay, we're going to the grocery store next week. Let's, let's, what do we do? We don't grab the cookie box and ask for this and that, right? How do we walk this out? How do we do it? You have to practice. You have to, before you go into the game, you got to practice. You got to think about it. You got to prepare. So, you, so as you guys are thinking about areas where you want your kids to grow and they need help, practice. Show them. They may not know. And if you think they know, still show them again and remind them and help them. Like that's what we get to do. When your son gets up on the table in the kitchen, don't be like, what is going on? He doesn't know you're not supposed to do that. He's two. He's thinking I'm having a good time. So don't squash him. Don't be like, what are you doing? Get down. No, be like, hey, buddy, I love your energy. I love that God has given you so much energy. I love seeing that you are so adventurous. But remember, in our home, we eat at the table. We don't jump on. God has given us trees outside. He has given us places that we can climb. So as you're thinking about giving your child a no, think about a yes to give them. Point them somewhere else. Direct them and help them. Don't just let them live with a world where they can't do anything. And don't tear them down. Like, just realize they're these little people that they don't know how to live in this world. They just don't know. And we get to show them. And we get to help them. Okay, so I'm going to be quiet. Well, lastly, pray. That's what I would say. Through prayer, we carry our kids to the God of all grace and power. Let your, let your kids hear you pray for them. Let, let them know that 
you trust that most tangible expression of trusting in God is prayer to him. Let them see you pray. Are we more concerned with techniques than we are praying for our kids? May that not be. May we be, Lord, I'm going to pray for my kids and trust you with them. You've been listening to a Cornerstone U class given at Cornerstone Church of Knoxville. Cornerstone U exists to have our minds renewed by the word of God, to see who God is, and to live in light of his word and gospel. To find out more about previous Cornerstone U classes, visit us on the web at www.cornerstonechurchofknoxville.com forward slash cornerstone dash U.